radio station, your radio station, our radio station. 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to our metric revision program with myself, Nadir Abrams, from Intune Tutoring. I've got seven years of tutoring experience and I offer mathematics and physical science tuition in Claremont and Goodwood. And yeah, the, last week we covered mathematics paper one and we looked at the overall content for each paper and as well as what to expect. And this week we'll be covering paper two and just recapping the work that we've covered so far. If you want to get in contact with me, my number is 082-705-9913 and my email address is info at intuntutoring.co.za and my website is intuntutoring.co.za um, Yeah, so today we'll be covering paper 2 and let's jump right into it. If you remember from last week, we said that there's different difficulty levels for each paper for grade 12 exams and which consists of the knowledge questions, the routine procedures and the complex questions and we're just going to recap that for the next few minutes and just so you know exactly what to expect in terms of preparing for your exam. So the knowledge type questions that you'll see in your exam are the straight recall type questions, the identification of the correct formula on the formula sheet, so not changing the subject, and the use of mathematical facts. So being able to use the words, the mathematical vocabulary. And the knowledge type questions consist of about 20% of the paper. Um, an example of this would be uh, the angle AOB is obtained by an arc AB at the center O of a circle. So you need to be able to understand what exactly and what exactly an angle is, how it's written, what does subtended mean, what's an arc, and where is the center of a circle. That, that's just an example of that type of question. Or if you have the function f of x is equal to 3 over x plus 2, which is a hyperbola, if you have the function f of x is equal to 3 over x plus 2, and they want you to write on the domain of that function. Because it's hyperbola, they are going to be asymptotes, and x cannot equal to zero. That's basically the domain of, of that function. In terms of routine procedures, routine procedures weigh 35% of the paper, and don't forget that these, that these difficulties are spread throughout both exams, and not, not um, specific to a particular topic, but it's the difficulty spread throughout the exam. Routine procedures involve estimation and appropriate rounding of numbers, uh, proof of prescribed theorems and derivation of formula, uh, of formulae, identification and direct use of correct formula, of the correct correct formula, on the information sheet. So you basically need to identify the correct formula on the formula sheet, perform well-known procedures, simple applications which might involve a few steps, so more than one step, and derivation of from given information which also uh, we can also be um, asked so the, they'll give you the, the question and you need to basically derive the formula or change the subject of the formula to find the right answer and then the last one is generally similar to the questions that you encounter in your homework you know the questions you're going to get in class so the, the routine procedures were about 35%. So, so far the knowledge questions are 20%, routine procedures are 35%. Yeah, so if we look at that, an example would be solve for x, and the question is x squared minus 5x is equal to 14. As an example, and that would be a trinomial, and we'd factorize that, and that would be a routine procedure. 
Another example would be to determine the general solution of the equation. So if they give us the equation 2 sine, two sine of x minus t plus 1 is equal to 0. That's just determine the general solution. Grade 11 work. Okay, and then prove the angle AOB subtended by the arc AB at center 0 of a circle is double the size of the angle ACB, which is the same arc subtends at the circle. So proving the angle using your Euclidean geometry knowledge. Yeah, so those are examples of the routine procedures. The next type that you get is the complex procedures, which involve complex calculations and high-order reasoning. The route to the solution is not always obvious, so you got to look at the formula, you got to apply yourself and see how am I going to solve this question. This is all, this complex procedures are a big chunk of the paper, it's 30%, and these are the type of questions that if you're getting a 50% and you want to in improve to a good mark, to A or B, you're going to focus on these complex types, type questions, and these aren't the type of questions that you're going to encounter in class. It doesn't always involve a deal with context. It really requires a conceptual understanding, so you need to understand the concept and then how to apply that concept. And these are the complex procedures, and what it really entails is the ability to really take about the question and, you know, break it down into its little pieces, and from there you can then solve the, the, the question. An example of this would be what is the average speed covered on a round trip and to and from a destination if the average speed going to the destination is 100 kilometers per hour and the average speed for the return journey is 80 kilometers per hour. And that's just, you know, a credit living question that you also find in grade 12. And I mean, if you look at that, what is the average speed covered on a round trip to and from a destination? If the average speed going to the destination is 100 kilometers per hour and the average speed for the return journey is 80 kilometers per hour. Another example that I have over here is uh, open bracket x plus 2 close bracket squared all over root x and we need to differentiate that with respect to x. This is a calculus question and it's a high order question. You'd have to take it apart and break it down in, into its various exponential forms and differentiate it. The next part would then be the, the problem solving questions, I mean, the, this is that 15% that everyone struggles with. Uh, well, not everyone, but the students getting below 80%, 85%, and they want to, you know, really push themselves and get above 80%, above 85%, getting 90, 95%, or even 100%. These are the problem solving type questions, and these are not routine. They're not necessarily the types of questions that you'll encounter in class. And you're not going to encounter it in more than one test. So each test is going to have a unique problem-solving type question. And you, sometimes you'll read these questions and you look at it and you're like, oh my word, what's going on here? And it's not really that difficult once you break it down into little pieces. And it requires high-order reasoning and processes. really requires you to think out of the box. And it's not routine. It's not routine, but... The questions are not difficult, you see. They're designed to make you look at it and think what's going on here. But once you read it, read it once, read it twice, and try and draw what you're seeing, then you can really get a grasp of the question, and you can attempt it, and you'll see that it's not that difficult. An example of this would be, suppose a piece of wire could be tied tightly around the earth at the equator, and imagine this wire is then lengthened by exactly one meter, and also it is still around the earth at the equator. Would a mouse be able to crawl between the wire and the earth? Why or why not? So that's not a real life example. 
And I mean, it's impossible to draw. Well, you're not really going to go take a piece of wire around the earth and then lift it up by a meter. Uh, <laughs> these types of questions are the things you look at again and you think, what's going on here? And yeah, so that's what the problem-solving questions entail. And you have your knowledge, your routine procedures, your complex procedures, and the problem-solving type questions. Today we're discussing the content of Mathematics Paper 2. Last week we covered Mathematics Paper 1. And we're going to look at what exactly Paper 2 contains. So remember that Paper 2 is 150 marks, just like Paper 1. But the content varies quite dramatically in terms of the types of questions you'll experience and you know it's very much different to paper one. Paper two consists of your Euclidean geometry and your analytical geometry, your statistics and regression and trigonometry. So for those of you that have completed metric well before the implemented caps in 2013, we're going to be the paper two and paper three were combined and well, a lot of the content from paper three was combined with paper one and paper two, and a lot of that content is in paper two. So Euclidean geometry is in the paper, statistics and regression is in the paper. And if you're in metric at the moment and you have a collection of past papers that are from 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, you can still practice those exam papers. You can then what you'll do is for paper two, look at the content from paper three, you can attempt that. You can skip out linear programming. Linear programming was in the syllabus before, and you don't do the linear programming question, but you can do all the other questions as well as the content from paper three. So in terms of the breakdown, it's 150 marks for three hours, and the, so there's Euclidean geometry and measurement is analytical geometry, there's statistics and regression, and there's trigonometry. Looking at trigonometry, that's 40 marks, plus minus three marks. Statistics and regression is 20 marks plus minus 3 marks. Analytical geometry is 40 marks plus minus 3 marks. Euclidean geometry and measurement is 50 marks plus minus 3 marks. I do recommend that you get the pen and paper out just to jot this down. So when you go into your exam, you have a strategy. Uh, so the thing that everyone seems to struggle with before they start coming to tuition is Euclidean geometry and measurement. That's quite a lot. It's 50 marks. I mean, it's a third of the paper. And something that everyone struggles with and it wasn't in the syllabus before caps so looking at Euclidean geometry it involves a lot of the work from grade 11 and as well as new content from grade 12 so Euclidean geometry consists of circle theorems you need to know the converse theorems and the corollaries which includes cyclic quadrilaterals in the solving of rider type questions okay the, you need to also know proofs there's not a lot of proofs, there's about four of them. And the first of the proofs are the line drawn from the center of a circle perpendicular to a chord bisects the chord. The angle subtended by an arc or chord at the center of a circle is double the size of the subtended by the same arc at the circumference of a circle of the circle. The opposite angles of a cyclic quad are supplementary. The angle between the tangent to a circle and the chord drawn from the point of contact is equal to the chord subtended by the chord in the alternate segment. You might know the theorem 1, 2, 3, 4, but um, each school names their theorems differently. So you have to know the actual name of the, of the theorem or be able to state the theorem in words. So the first one again, the line drawn from a center of a circle perpendicular to a chord bisects the chord, cuts the chord in half. The 
angle subtended by an arc or chord at the center of a circle is double the size of the angle subtended by the same arc or chord at the circumference of the circle. That was the one theorem, that was the second theorem, and then this is the third theorem. Now, the third theorem is the opposite angles of a cyclic quadrilateral are supplementary. And the last one is the angle between the tangent to a circle and the chord drawn from the point of contact is equal to the angle subtended by the chord in the alternate segment. So you need to know the proof all four of those theorems. All four of those are examinable. And yeah, they're not going to ask you anyone besides those, besides one of those four theorems. Then the next part that we're looking at is the triangles and proportionality theorem of triangles in the solving of riders. So you need to know you need to know similar triangles and you need to know the proportionality theorem. And then also you need to know the proof of the following theorems. You need to know that the line drawn parallel to one side of a triangle divides the other two sides proportionally and that equilateral triangles are similar. So you need to be able to prove that equilateral triangles are similar, which is very easy, and that a line drawn parallel to one side of a triangle divides the other two sides proportionally, which is the midpoint theorem. Then we have trigonometry. So we've covered Euclidean geometry now, and again, before we just move on to trigonometry, I just wanted to repeat that Euclidean geometry was 50, 50 marks, plus minus 3 marks. And then before we move on to the next section, I just want to go through the recommended reasons in Euclidean geometry and because schools are very strict around what exactly the reasons are and how you should write the reasons. So the adjacent angles on a straight line are supplementary, that's the statement, and then the way you write it is angles on a straight line. If the adjacent angles are supplementary, then the outer arms of these angles form a straight line. Again, that's adjacent angles are supplementary. So the first example I gave the adjacent angles in a straight line are supplementary. Angles in a straight line, that's if you have more than one angle next to each other. And then the inverse of that is if the adjacent angles are supplementary, the outer arms of these angles form a straight line. Adjacent angles are supplementary. That's basically the inverse theorem of, of angles in a straight line. So if the angles add up to 180, it means that it's a straight line. In other words, the adjacent angles in a revolution add up to 360. So angles around a point or angles in a revolution. That's pretty straightforward. Remember, these are all the reasons for straight line geometry and the straight line geometry section of, of the Euclidean geometry. So when you're dealing with lines, these are acceptable reasons. Vertically opposite angles are equal, so I mean that's pretty straightforward if you have a form that's similar to an X and the, op the angles that are vertically opposite, they are equal. If AB is equal to CD, then the alternate angles are equal. So you need to know alternate angles, so you state alternate angles and then you'll write AB parallel to CD, so you have to look at which lines are parallel. And then the next thing is if AB is parallel to CD, then the corresponding angles are equal. So you need to know corresponding alternate, and then the last one is co-interior. So then if AB is parallel to CD, then co-interior angles are supplementary. And yeah, those are all your fun angles. So the alternate angles is the N or the Z. The corresponding angles is F, and the co-interior angles are the U. So remember that when it says your co-interior angles are, are supplementary, what that means is that they add up to 180. If the alternate angles between two lines are equal, then the lines are parallel. You need to know the inverse theorems of the fun angles. So if you have two angles that are equal, then that means that the lines are parallel. And if you have 
if the corresponding angles are between two lines are equal, then the lines are parallel. And if the cointeer angles between two lines are supplementary, then the lines are parallel as well. Yeah, those are just basic. That's just basic work. I mean, you learn that in grade nine, and actually grade eight. So, in, I mean, so you've been doing it for five years. You, you should know those theorems by now. The next section is triangles, and the interior angles of a triangle are supplementary. So, in other words, that all the angles in a triangle add up to 180. Everyone knows angles in a triangle. The exterior angle of a triangle is equal to the sum of the interior opposite angles. So, that's one that everyone seems to forget. Exterior angle of a triangle. Everyone knows interior angles of a triangle add up to 180. But the exterior angle of a triangle is equal to the sum of the two opposite interior angles. So, I'd write that down. The angles opposite the equal sides in a isosceles triangle are equal. So, over here, we're looking at the angles opposite to the two equal sides in a isosceles triangle. I refer to them as the, the base angles. So, you have a triangle, the two bottom angles are equal. You need to know Pythagoras, you need to know the converse of Pythagoras. So, in a right angle triangle, that pattern is equal to the sum of the square of the two sides. So, you can just, your reason over there will just be Pythagoras. The next one is the converse of the theorem of Pythagoras. That means that if the square of the longer side in a triangle is equal to the sum of the squares of the two other sides, then the triangle is right angled. So, it's basically saying that if they give you the three sides and the two smaller sides, you square those, and you add it together, and it's equal to the longer side squared, then you know that the triangle is a right-angled triangle. It's also known as the converse theorem of Pythagoras. Um, then you need to know the rules of congruency. That's side, 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 angle, side, or angle, angle, side. And then the last one is right-angle hypotenuse side. For me, the, the way I tell my students to remember it is that the right-angle is an angle, and the hypotenuse is a side, and then the other side is also a side. So it's similar to side angle side, but it's just because it's a right angle, you'd write RHS or right angle hypotenuse side. Then this, the line segment joining the two midpoints of two sides of a triangle is parallel to the third side and equal to half of the length of the third side. And that's the midpoint theorem of a triangle. The line drawn from the midpoint of one side of a triangle parallel to another side bisects the third side. The reason over here would be line through midpoint parallel to second side. And then a line drawn parallel to one side of a triangle divides the other two sides proportionally. So the reason here would be line parallel to one side of the triangle or the proportionality theorem. So then it would just be the line parallel to one side of the triangle or the proportionality theorem with the just name the two parallel lines. So, for example, AB parallel to BC. So, then in terms of the similarity rules, you need to know that line divides two sides of a triangle in proportion, and similar triangles or equilateral triangles. You need to know sides of a triangle in proportion. And the last one for triangles is the same base, same height, or equal bases and equal height. And that rule you did use if triangles or parallelograms or on the same base or on the base of equal length and between the same parallel lines then the triangles have equal areas okay and what i'll do is i'll provide these notes on the facebook page and you'll be able to look through it. there's quite a lot over here so we'll just cover the the basics for now well we've covered the basics of the reasons i mean it's two pages of reasons that that i'll put up but we've covered lines and we've covered triangles 
and we've covered congruency and similarity for the triangles. Then you need to know your, your circles. The circles, remember, is based on your grade 11 work, and there's quite a few theorems, so I'm not going to go through all of that now, but like I said, I will put it up on the Facebook page. So it's 5 plus 8. We've covered trigonometry and the difficulty levels of each paper, as well as the content in terms of the weighting of, of each section. So we've, we've covered Euclidean geometry, and I mean, that's a third of the paper. It's a really, really big chunk. And what we'll move on to next is trigonometry. So trigonometry, this work from grade 11 and grade 12. And you need to know, well, trigonometry counts 40 marks. It's also another big chunk of the exam. So paper 2 doesn't have many topics, but each topic weighs quite a bit. So in terms of digging into trigonometry, 40 marks out of 150, it's quite a big weighting. And in terms of the, the exact content that you can expect for trigonometry, you need to know the basic definition problems, which includes right-angle triangles and trigonometry of the Cartesian plane. You need to know your reduction formulae, so co-ratios. You need to know special angles. You need to know compound and double-angle formulae. You need to know how to prove your identities. And after the identities, you need to know the Pythagorean identity. You need to know the quotient identity. And those are very, very important. Coming back to coming back to identities, it's just those two. The quotient identity and the Pythagorean identity. Those two specific identities are the ones that you need to be able to prove. So you need to be able to prove the identity, be able to prove the Pythagorean identity. Then in terms of trigonometric equations, you need to know the general solution and you need to know the specific solution. A lot of people struggle with the general solution, so make sure you know how to do that well. The trig function, so you need to know the sine function, the cos function, and the tan function. The general format of the sine function is y is equal to a sine bx minus b plus q. Remember that a is going to be your vertical stretch. It's going to be your amplitude. b, so y is equal to a sine b, open bracket, x minus b, close bracket, plus q. b is going to be your horizontal stretch, how wide the graph is going to be. P is going to shift the graph left and right, and Q is going to shift the graph up and down. So the, the cos graph has a similar format. Y is equal to A cos B open bracket X minus B close bracket plus Q. And then Y is equal to A tan B open bracket X minus B close bracket plus Q. So the sine graph, the cos graph, and the tan graph, you need to remember A is going to be your, your vertical stretch, and B is going to be your horizontal stretch. P is going to shift it left and right and Q is going to shift it up and down. Then you need to know the sine, cos, and area rules of non-right-angle triangles. So being able to apply the trigonometric rules to non-right-angle triangles using the sine rule, the cosine rule, and the area rule for these types of triangles. Then you need to be able to derive the compound and double-angle formulae and the proof of the sine, cosine, and area rules for non-right-angle triangles. You also need to be able to, you generally use these rules for solving problems in two and three dimensions. So if you have a flagpole or building and the building has a shadow, these are the types of questions that you use, that you apply to. So yeah, that's basically trigonometry in a nutshell. And yeah, it's not that difficult once you really wrap your head around it. Then the next part that we'll be looking at, we're going to be looking at analytical geometry. Analytical geometry also is 40 out of 150. So 40 plus minus three marks, 40, 41, 42, 43, or 40, 39. 
38 and 37 marks out of 150. And analytical geometry, again, it's also an, another section that, I mean, 40 marks out of 150 is quite a big chunk of your exam. And what, what you can expect there is, this is the place where they usually give you questions that are more routine type questions. And I don't know, I thoroughly enjoy the analytical geometry section because it's very much straightforward type questions and they're not going to ask anything crazy. And it's for me, I think I always tell my students that you really need to make sure you get those 40 marks in your analytical geometry section. So if you look at it, the analytical geometry consists of the distance formula, so you need to know the distance formula, you need to know the midpoint formula and the gradient formula. These are the three main formulae that you need to know and you learn that in grade 10. You've been using it from grade 10 to grade 11 and now to grade 12 and you know how to, you know how to use that. You need to know the angle of inclination, so that's m is equal to tan theta. You need to know, be able to determine the equations of a linear function, so y is equal to mx plus c. You need to know the implications of that. So if the gradients are the same, it means that they're parallel. If the gradients when, of two lines, when they multiply together, it equals to minus 1. That means they're perpendicular. And you need to be able to use circle functions. So circle functions is something that you learn in grade 12, and you should be familiar with it by now. And you need to know the general form of the circle and you need to know the center radius form. Then remember that there's two forms that circle functions come in and you need to know both of those. You also need to know quadrilaterals. So you need to know the square, rectangle, parallelogram, rhombus, trapezium and kite because what you'll find is that you'll take the, those shapes and put it on a, on a Cartesian plane and you'd be able, you'd need to either prove that it's a specific shape or they'll say because it's this specific shape, what properties does it have? And so you need to know you need to know all of those uh, shapes, and you need to know the properties as well. So again, it's the square, it's the rectangle, the rhombus, the parallelogram, the trapezium, and the kite. We were just covering the trigonometry section of the exam paper. And now we're going to be covering the last part, statistics and regression. Statistics and regression was also brought into the uh, into the syllabus from paper three from the previous syllabus, and it requires basically just your ability to use your calculator skills. So make sure that you have a the Casio Natural Display Calculator. I always recommend my students get those, and it's very very important. I think it's a great calculator, and uh, it really allows you to to actually see what exactly um, you're doing. So th and that's specifically for the regression section. If we're going to look at the come back to the content now, we're looking at histograms. We need to know histograms, which is basically it's similar to the bar chart, but there's no gaps between them. There's the cumulative frequency graph and OJAVs, or yeah, I think that's the correct pronunciation. Those are also known as cumulative frequency curves. You, you, they need to know um, measures of central tendency, which are the mean, median, mode, and you need to be able to apply that to grouped and ungrouped data. So if it's in a table or not in a table, you need to be able to, to the, calculate the mean, median, and mode. Then we need to measure the spread of data, which uh, which you generally you write as a box and whisker diagram. You need to be able to know the, the range. You need to know five number summaries. You need to know quartiles, the interquartile range. You need to know percentiles, distribution of data, variance, and standard deviation. So these are all calculations that you do on your calculator. 
And then the regression analysis, this is really, really um, important. It's very easy, but you need to be able to, to use your calculator for this section. So being able to, you know, really tap into your calculator skills. Covering this the regression analysis consists of the scatter plots, determining the equation of the least squares the regression line, and calculating the correlation coefficient, identifying outliers, and describing the relationship between variables. And that's basically everything for paper two. If you have any questions, just feel free to drop me a line on WhatsApp, and we can we can chat. You can maybe arrange some some tuition sessions, or you can or we can I can just assist you with, with any questions that you that you require help with. Always willing to help anyone out that needs some help. And uh, I mean, if you're busy working and you're struggling with the question, I mean, you can just send me a WhatsApp message or send me a picture of the question and uh, what you've done so far, and I can I can help point you out to see point out to you exactly you, you might have gone wrong. To just recap again one more time, in terms of the, the content of the paper, paper two, again, are far less topics, but the weighting of each section is much, much more. You're dealing with 150 marks, just like paper two, and the weighting for each section is a bit different because you're dealing with, with uh, less topics. So remember that the statistics is ways... Um, statistics weighs the, the least so I wouldn't say don't focus on that but remember that the, the most important section for you to focus on is Euclid in geometry and that's the part you know that really takes your knowledge of grade 8, grade 9, grade 10, grade 11 and grade 12 um, geometry and you need to be able to do that, that section so it's 50 marks Make sure you know your theorems. Remember, make sure you know how to to write down each reason and give valid reasons for each one. Um, you need to know the trigonometry. Trigonometry section again is worth 40 marks. You need to know analytical geometry, 40 marks as well, and then statistics, which is the smaller section, which is 20 marks. So that's the breakdown of the paper, and you know the paper is three hours. So try and try and practice as many past exams as you can, and if you're studying for paper two, you and you run out of exams to to do. I mean, it happens sometimes. You can go to my website, it's intuntutoring.co.za, and um, just click on the past papers link. And there's a whole lot of past papers. Um, it's most of it's caps, and I do have past papers from the previous syllabus. And if you do need to, if you do want to to do some of those, then you can you can. Um, do paper two, ignore the linear programming section, which is no longer in the exam, and you can practice some of the paper three questions, which which have then now been brought over into the CAP syllabus for the past few years. Um, in terms of exact strategy to to go through with um, to go through for your paper, remember that it's, it's 150 marks, and the paper is 180 minutes, so you're going to divide 150 by 180, and you need to get 0.8 marks every minute. Um, so every minute that goes by, I'd say you need to be getting at least one mark, just to leave some extra time in the exam for you to look through your work, make sure everything's right, identify small mistakes here and there. And um, also, please don't forget that an exam paper does not need to be completed as question one, then question two. It's not so sequential. So if you're going to do question one first, you might find that you know your analytical geometry very well, so you, you might tackle that question first. Then you want to do question question five next because it tackles perhaps trigonometry, so you know your trigonometry very well. Those 
Then you want to do some Euclidean geometry and you, you might find that you want to, to tackle Euclidean geometry after analytical geometry because you find that you know Euclidean geometry better than your analytical geometry. That's fine. Remember that you always want to tackle the stuff you know as early in the paper as you can so that you're not brain dead by the time you're tackling the really difficult stuff. And yeah, that's my advice for all the learners out there. For paper two, and if you need paper one's lessons of last week, you can just visit the Voice of the Cape uh, Facebook page, or you can mail myself. My email address is info at intuntutoring.co.za. So it's info, I-N-F-O, at intuntutoring.co.za. I-N-T-U-N-E-T-U-T-O-R-I-N-G dot zero today. I know it's a bit of a mouthful, but um, yeah, you can um, you can just mail me info at intuntutoring dot zero today, and I will direct you to the Voice of the Cape link for last week's episode of the Metric Revision Program. And if you need some past papers, like I said before, you can visit intuntutoring.co.za. And if you'd like to book some lessons with us, you can also click on the website and book a free one-hour session for mathematics or physical science at our Goodwood branch or Claremont branch. And, you know, we're really trying to to help the community out there. So if you'd like a free lesson, free one-hour lesson, perhaps you have some questions you'd like to ask us, then just visit our website, indiantutoring.co.za, and book your free one-hour lesson with us. Always willing to help out the learners, or you can just WhatsApp me on 0827055913, and I'll see how we, exactly we can assist you. So that's it for on my side from um, the Metric Revision Program. Uh, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM.